a few weeks ago, we were looking at the Prince of Peace. And we saw where the Prince of Peace, he first brings peace with God. That we have been reconciled by his blood, by his righteous life. As the perfect sacrifice, he has reconciled us back to our creator and our judge. Because we as sinners have been alienated enemies against God and reconciled back with him. And that is miracle enough. But it isn't where it stops. He has also given us the peace of God. As he brings us new life born again, and so that we are given freedom from the old nature, and plus given His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good. And the Apostle Paul tells the Galatians, you need to walk in the Spirit in order to have that fruit come out. And so it's something that we have, but we may not always feel, we may not always experience, but he tells us to walk in that. A peace that passes understanding, that confident hope that comes from being whole in Christ. That wholeness, the shalom that that the Hebrews spoke of when they used that word that we translate as peace. But now, if we've been reconciled to God, made at peace with Him, and then been given a peace within ourselves, there's one more way in which the Prince of Peace comes. And He explained that, He introduced us to that at the Sermon on the Mount when He said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Right? Not to just be peacekeepers, but to be able to make peace, to be dispensers of grace, just as God has given us. And in that, that we would be instruments of God in our world, but especially within the body of Christ. That the peace of God would rule within the body of Christ. And that's a tall order because we're still human beings. And human beings were prone to conflict. It's not just a Baptist trait, it's a, it's a human trait. And you don't have to read the news very long to see that to be true. And so, the Apostle Paul, as he wrestled with that tension, that's how he writes his letters. And... In Colossians, as he talks to a group of people that he'd never met, but preaches this little sermon in a letter to them, he makes mention of having the peace of God ruling in their hearts, in our hearts. And from that, he explains what that would look like and how to do that. And that's what we're going to do this morning is we're going to, to look at those couple verses and then we're going to ripple out from there and see how that affects all these different parts of life because He is the Lord of all creation. And so His peace is to ripple through all of creation. It'll only ultimately do that 
when he comes to rule and reign on earth physically, but we're to be instruments, ambassadors, to be revealers of that even now. And so Colossians chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 12, and we're going to read through verse 17. And if you would, out of respect for God's word, would you stand with me? Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pause for prayer. Father, we need you. We are wrecks, disasters without you. And Lord, I ask, I ask that you guide my words and my thoughts to accurately teach your word this morning, Lord. That your Holy Spirit would take your words and apply them to our minds and our hearts to change our attitudes and our actions, Lord. We talk about new resolutions and things like that, but let us really invest in the new that you have given us in Christ of being new creation. The beginning first fruits of the new heavens and new earth. I ask you to do your work in the children's chapel, Lord, that uh, seeds sown would continue to produce fruit in their hearts and in their lives. We want to be changed, Lord, by your word and by your spirit. That the lost will be saved, lives transformed, and your name would be praised. And in the name and for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So here we are. We look at these verses and we see, um, well... I talked about new in my prayer there. In the preceding verses, he talks about put off the old man, put on the new. It's a familiar metaphor that he uses uh, in his letters. Uh, But he's, he's saying here, so if you're going to put on the new man, then that's what our therefore is in this verse 12. Putting on the new man, then this as chosen of God, holy, beloved. This is what I want to see. And so I'm going to jump down to verse 15, well, 14 and 15, because I want to kind of do it like a bullseye. Therefore, so above all things, this is where we start. Above all things, what was it? Put on love. The bond of of perfection. Let the Peace of God, rule in your hearts. So these two are are going to be working together for us, all right? 
So now let's, let's back up and, and let's say, okay, so, so what is that going to look like here? Well, one, we realize this is not something we can conjure up on our own. I can't, and we think we can, but we probably can't. We need the Holy Spirit to do this in us. And so you'll hear me reference once again, Galatians 5, 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That selfless caring for another, for their eternal good. And I think that's a pretty fair definition of love in that context. Because God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So there's the selflessness, not my will, but thy will be done, Christ said. And for our eternal good, that we would spend eternity with him to restore us, to reconcile us. And so that's not natural for me. You know, the world has lots of love songs. Two and a half or a month and a half from now, we're going to have a a silly holiday about love. And and in reality, most of that is not what love is. It's a warm, fuzzy, it's lust. It's not selfless sacrifice for the benefit of another for eternity. For eternity. And I, I think you see already, this is a radical Radical new way to look at relationships. And you think that's radical. Wait till we finish Galatians or Colossians chapter 3. He's radically turning everything upside down and shaking it. Because he says, if you're going to have the mind of Christ, it's different. But it's, it's that, having that love. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. It is... That perfect unity is another way of of looking at that. You will be known as my disciples by your love for one another. He wants us to, to become close, to be real, to be family, to be united in one purpose, and it's not anything else but him. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my heart, as well as in my home, my neighborhood, my community to ripple out from me. And we can't expect the rest of the world to do it because it's our job. We're the church. We're the ones he's wrote this to. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I think it's interesting. Did you catch the the tension there? The peace rule. It's to have dominion. Again, it goes back to there's words that we use that we don't really think about what they mean. Love was the illustration a minute ago. This one is Lord. We call him Lord. What does Lord mean? It means you're a slave and he's the master. He calls the shots. He's the ultimate boss. And so he says, let the prince of peace be the prince, the Lord of your life. Because if you're still in conflict with God, then you're not going to be at peace. 
You can be born again and still in conflict with God, can't you? Because we are idolaters. You may not have a little gold statue or a little, or a little terracotta statue in your house that you bow down to, but there's things that we put in priority over God all too easily. And you probably know what I'm talking about. It may be a plastic electronic device. It may be uh, a relationship. It may be what a number that you see on your screen. It may be what you have in, in, a, in the brick building down the street. But it is an idol when we make it more important than God. Than my relationship with Him. Whether it is flesh and blood, it is money, or it is... Um, how many likes or any of those things. And so for us to have the peace of God, he needs to rule in our hearts. For me to surrender those things. Because the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In all of his ways. And he says... You were called in one body. The reality is, is that I'm an excellent self-deceiver. I can deceive myself that I'm a great person, but then I get around others and I realize, well, gosh, they keep pointing out these annoying parts about me. (laughs) Not to mention, I can see your annoying parts too. I'm a lot better at seeing yours than I am mine. But when we get together, it all comes together, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. We're still, we're still fallen human beings. And so that's why he's put us together in one body. That we be together. So that those rough edges, sort of like the, uh, um, the, creeks in the, or the, the rocks in the creek, we keep bumping and running into each other and we round off the sharp edges. But if we're going to be doing that, there's going to be friction. There's going to be sparks. There's going to be conflict. And what am I going to do with that? I'm glad you asked because the Apostle Paul answers the question. So we're going to go a little farther out, aren't we? We're going to go back to verse 12. So therefore, because you are new creatures, we're going to be doing new things this year. You're going to be new, new, new creation, holy Set apart for God's purposes. Again, goes back to him being Lord. Beloved, I'm doing this because he loves me. You know, I was reading my devotional this morning. I've started a new devotional uh, for the last four years. I've been going through the same one, so I'm starting a new one. And I'll be doggone if not in the very first entry, he's convicting me. (sighs) Why? Well, here was the conviction, though, is that when we, we fear, when we doubt, it's because we forget that God is good, that God loves us, and he knows what he's doing. Amen. And I got to thinking about it, and it's like, well, yeah, I know you're right. You ready for it? But <laughs> I don't like it still. I still don't like it, God. But I know that whatever he brings into my life, he's still good. He still knows what he's doing and he's completely capable of doing what is best for me. 
And so it comes back to whether I like it or not, I need to trust him. Because those three things are true, whether I like it or not, what he's doing. And so we go back to, therefore, as you've been chosen for this and you are holy, at least in his eyesight, he's working on making you holy and you are beloved. He loves you. He has his best plans for you. Will you cooperate with him? So therefore, as these things are true, then he says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, putting up with one another, forgiving one another. If you have a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You see how this connects? How am I going to put up with these people that are so annoying with me? And, and I'm annoying to them and these sharp edges, this friction and this heat comes as we're rubbing against one another in life and, and being real and, and trying to, to walk together, encourage one another towards sanctification. And we're not real good at that. I'm going to have to forgive. Amen. I'm going to have to be kind. Amen. I'm going to have to be merciful. I'm going to have to forget that it's not about me. It's about him. That's where this is coming from. I mean, let's just let's just pick a few of these. I don't there's so many sermons that could be done on these. But humility. Do you remember what our definition of love was? It was selfless. It's not thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. It is a change in my mind that it's, I'm not the little sovereign that it's all supposed to revolve around me. We know a lot of people, that's where they live. They're just, it's like it's, it's their psychosis. They, they thought it was all about them and they're always devastated that not everybody's answering to their whims, but that's not humility. It's for us to realize there's something bigger going on than ourselves. And the reality is God does have something a whole lot bigger going on in his kingdom, in his plan. And the reality is he's wired us to want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. He really has. That's why we get caught up in those movies or in those books that weave this big story and the people are caught up in doing something bigger. That's why, you know, the patriots and, and those get caught up in being a part of a cause and something big and, and something for the better good. The better good ultimate is the kingdom of God and everything else needs to follow after that or be set aside. Because this is the better good. And that's what humility is looking at. That's what meekness, not weakness, but strength. Under control, under self-control. Another fruit of the Spirit. You notice we just keep hitting those. Fruit of the Spirit. Meekness. Strength under control. Being long-suffering. Bearing with one another. This is admitting that we are sometimes going to feel wronged. 
that things aren't going to go our way, that things are going to be painful, there's going to be trials, and bearing up with it, sometimes with one another's help. There's times that we're going to be wronged against and we're going to have to forgive. That's not any fun. But God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. I, who had actually done wrong against God, inexcusably rebelled against Him, He still forgave that because of Christ. Because I simply asked. And there's a lot more that could be taught about forgiveness, but I'm going to hit just a couple here just because they're important uh, before we mentally check out because, oh, I can't forgive. No, you can't. You're going to need God's Holy Spirit to help you with that first step. It's not just a one-time deal. It's a daily deal. Going back to, I've got to let go of the grudge and forgive. Let go of the anger and forgive. Does that mean that I trust them? No. That's a different category. That's a different area. Forgiveness is that I'm letting God handle the judgment. I'm letting God handle that. They're going to answer to him anyways. It's me acknowledging that he's the one that's going to do a whole lot better job of that than I am. And that either they will answer for that sin or Christ died for that sin for them. And either way, justice was done. And so that's the forgiveness he's talking about. And it's the forgiveness that I'm letting go of that even before they ask for it. Because they're not always going to ask for it. It would be great if they did. And we need to be quick to do that. But the reality is, is that, yeah, God forgives us of our sins because we ask for it. But did you remember to confess that one thing? Or what about that other sin? Or what about, did he not forgive you of those two? Yes, he did. And so he forgives you of things that you don't realize you've done. And that's how Christ has forgiven us and we're to forgive. Because I go back to God's a whole lot better at keeping records than I am. He doesn't need my help. And so I need to turn it back over to him and forgive. Oh, wow. Preacher, this is New Year's Day and you're giving me a really tall stack. Yeah, it's a really tall stack. I'm sorry. This is the this is the passage that we got today. But as we have been. Chosen of God, declared holy, we are beloved as his ambassadors. I've got to surrender these things to do them his way if the peace of God is going to rule in my heart and rule within us as a body of Christ. And it is hard, but there's two more tools he gives us to help us with this tall task. And one of them is in the very last two words of verse 15. And be thankful. Oh, yeah, that's not just a holiday in November. It is an every day. Let us be thankful. Because when I feel overwhelmed, and I, I, I hate to admit this, but I had to literally practice this last night. 
as God convicted me and said, you know, you're going to be preaching on this. You better be practicing it between now and then. It's like, because I was in the, I was in the circle. I was on the hamster wheel of negative thoughts and negative, whatever you call it. And it's like, okay, back up. What did I just teach on the video? Be thankful for starters. What have you got to be thankful for? Yeah, 2022 was not a carnival for me, unless you count nightmares as carnivals. But instead, it was a time for me to back up and say, but I've got a lot to be thankful for. And I admit, okay, I'm not fully sanctified yet. Some of the things I was thankful for, I mean, they're the obvious ones. It's like, well, nobody held a gun to my head this year. I'm I'm really thankful. Um, It might have been better, but no. uh, God walked me through being thankful. It, there's, it doesn't deny the hurt. It doesn't deny the losses, but it is putting into context what God has given me this year. I have reason to be thankful if I lose everything, just as Job, because I still have a redeemer who lives. I have a God who is good and loves me unconditionally, even when I'm the wreck that was in the shower asking God to help me be thankful. That's a good God. That's a reason to be thankful. He's not given up on me. He's given me his Holy Spirit to apply his word to my heart. And he's doing the same for you. We need that. And so be thankful. Now, the next one is verse 16. And you see what's there? We practice it every Sunday. And I'll be honest with you, once again, I was not wholehearted in this one. But as we sang to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in our heart, we are reminding each other of the promises of God. And I'll give you just an example. As we were singing, his eye is on the sparrow. And I love that song. I was not singing because I'm happy. I was singing because I'm free, but I was not singing because I was happy. I was singing because God called me to sing his praises. It's a command. And I am teaching myself as I do that. And so God tells us through the Apostle Paul in these words, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord because you're teaching and admonishing one another. So Miss Holly and the band and the choir, they were admonishing me at that point. Teaching me in all of us. Because God knows we are of the religions of the world, we're one of the most musical religions in the world. You know why? Because it's the true God. And we have a God who loves music. That's his gift. And he uses it to teach sometimes what our brains won't let through to get to our hearts. And so he says, I want you to do that through music. So that whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There it is again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I've 
as we've looked at these verses here, doing all in attitude, in actions, in heart, and in mind, doing all for Christ. I'm going to just real quickly finish this up. Oh, thank you. When we're here at one o'clock, you remind me that Ms. PJ said we could take my time. But speaking of our mind, do you notice how chapter three starts? Set your mind on the things that are above. Again, that's how music helps us. It helps us get our mind on the things that are above. We sang, I'll fly away, our anthem this morning. Why? Because we need that reminder that this isn't the end. This isn't the destination. We've got a destination and this ain't it. Set your mind on the destination where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And this is a big deal to me. This is another one of those places where God is like, so what are you really looking forward to? Are you looking forward to streets of gold? Are you looking forward to a mansion? Are you just looking for a good night's rest? Or are you looking for Christ? Looking for Christ. Amen. That's where he is. Who for... I can't even get there now in Hebrews 12. But who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame and is sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's our Christ. That's our Christ. And he is our role model in that. I was reading in, in Revelation just, uh, just yesterday. And I love how it, how it finishes. Um, this is just... Just a little little detour here. Um, But Jesus tells them, verse 12 of Revelation 22, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It feels some like, sometimes like our work is in vain. But Paul specifically tells us, your labor is not in vain. And Christ tells us right here, my reward is with me. And I will give according to what you've done. So set your mind on those things. For you died in your Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, When Christ, who is our life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death. And I'll let you go through those. He just goes after it. Put to death those sins. You know, the bad ones. And then he gets the meddling. He says, and these sins too. Put to to death anger, hatred, unforgiveness. Really? Yeah, those two. Because um, that's the old man. You're new creatures. You're a new creation. What's that going to look like in the home? Well, that's what the rest of chapter 3 looks like. You guys are asking the right questions. Instructions to wives. Following the leadership of the husband. It'll be safe because what is he going to tell the husbands? You need to die to yourself and love her selflessly sacrificing for their eternal good. 
That's what he's telling us. What about children? Obey your parents. Yeah, that's right. Look at those kids. And then... (laughs) But what are the parents doing? They're modeling God for those kids. Again, selflessly sacrificing for their eternal good. Not what's just a temporary good, but for what is an eternal good. Let's go outside the home. Let's go look at our jobs. Not serving with as men pleasers, just when the boss is looking, but as unto the Lord who is always looking. Bosses, remember, you have a boss. doesn't matter how high up on the chain you are as CEO of your own little company all by yourself, right? Or if you have hundreds of thousands working for you, you still have a boss in heaven. And he doesn't play favorites. He is impartial in judgment. And so... Wow. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been rung through the ringer. But at the same time, my heart soars because God has spoke to my heart and reminded me that these are out of love for me. That it is a distinct pleasure to be called Christian and to represent him with you. As the church, the body of Christ. And we are blessed to have you teach us the way to go. Well, my prayer is that as I I teach rightly, but then also that we together model what his word says. And so that's the invitation. Miss Holly's going to come and and instruments and uh, instruments. Sorry, Matt, you just became an instrument. But we're going to come and we want to respond because there's a there's a funny thing in me faux pawing on those things. We we used to sing a song. uh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, righteous and true. That's to be an instrument for God. That we would be something in his hands that he can use effectively. And so. Whether we sing I surrender all or just as I am, they're all saying the same thing. But will you stand and will you respond as the Holy Spirit leads?